podcasting from the heart of the Gator Nation in Alachua County, Florida, this is Extension Cord, the podcast of UF IFAS Extension Alachua County, where we plug in and bring UF IFAS Extension to life. Good afternoon, everybody. This is Taylor Clem with UF IFAS Extension here in Alachua County. Today, I have Stacy Greco with us, and she is with Alachua County Environmental Protection Department, where she serves as the Water Resources Program Manager. Um, and today, we would like to just talk a little bit about Florida's waters and Florida's water resources and how it's impacting us on a daily basis. So, Stacy, thank you very much, and thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. So, um, I want to just start off, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do here in Alachua County? Yeah, so I had the pleasure of working with Alachua County's Environmental Protection Department for 16 years now. Started as an intern out in our creeks collecting water quality samples, started doing some outreach, got hired full-time, used to go to all of our wastewater treatment plants, moved into water conservation, and now I am the water resources program manager. So I'm in charge of water conservation, water quality, stormwater, education. If it has water in it, I probably have my paws in it. <laughs> so I, I think it's very appropriate that we have you on here today because with, with Extension here in Latchford County, we we work with uh, – the, the, the Environmental Protection Department regularly on a lot of different projects. We have a really great partnership. So I think, you know, when we think about extension or what extension is doing, water becomes the cornerstone to pretty much everything. You know, agriculture, land use change, uh, urban development. And in Florida, water is one of our most valuable. It is our most valuable resource. So I figured it would be really nice to have you on here because you can help talk a lot about what's happening here in Alachua County and the surrounding areas because I think it'll help paint a clear picture on what uh, we can expect in the future. And then also we can talk a little bit about what are we doing um, to help with water-related issues. So um, the first thing I want to ask is... uh, could you kind of like give us a little bit, bit of background about just like Florida's water resources and how they relate with Alachua County? Yeah, so you're right. I mean, water's the great unifier. It doesn't follow political boundaries and it gets into all of our programs. So it's a great place for us to work with your extension office and the University of Florida. Um, so Florida's you know, it's really unique. We're this peninsula. We're surrounded by water. We have so much wetlands. We've got the the springs, the rivers, the ocean, that it's so hard for people to understand that water is actually scarce, you know, that with our population here, it's um, especially for people that move to the state, it's hard for them to understand that. So big picture, the biggest issues that we face in Florida are you know, water quality, Mm -hmm. which tends to be too much nutrients that can come from a lot of various sources. And we can talk about, we can dive into those. Um, So it's water quality and then water quantity. So water levels are changing, whether that's from overconsumption, all of us using the water or from climate, regardless, we're, you know, seeing more demands on that water. And then those two things kind of interact together and exasperate some of the problems. So 
here in Alachua, you know, we, we face those same Mm -hmm. issues. Obviously land use, all of our counties are different. You know, some of our neighbors like Gilchrist, Columbia, um, agriculture is the predominant land use here in Alachua. We're fairly urban as is a lot of, you know, Mm -hmm. more Southern Florida. So some of the issues and solutions look a little bit different depending on where you are. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think, you know, when we when we think about what we're doing with regards to water resources, um, at least with the programs that we're doing in an extension or from a county perspective, it really does depend on that type of land use. And in Alachua County, we consider ourselves an urbanizing county. Um, we have urban centers or urban parts, you know, Gainesville, Alachua, uh, Newberry is kind of more like a semi-urban uh, area. But um, what we can, what we do need to make sure is that, you know, how are we thinking about that land use change and what, are, what is happening with our water in relationship to that land use change? Um, so in Florida, and you mentioned that the scarcity of water, you know, I, I always like to mention that Florida has evolved around a certain amount of water. So we have our aquifers, uh, we have our surficial waters, and the minute that we start impairing or impacting that, we're throwing that whole process, that environmental process, off. Um, and, you know, so quantity is going to be one of those big factors that we have to deal with. What is, what's some of the big impacts or water quantity impacts that we're seeing on a regular basis here? Yeah, so as far as impacts, as we start to see, you know, we get our water from the aquifer. So it comes from the groundwater. So if you're um, purchasing water from a municipality, they're getting it from a large well. If you live in a more rural area, you have a smaller well, but it's all coming from groundwater. And that is the same source that feeds our springs, which ultimately feed our rivers, like mm-hmm. the Santa Fe River. So as we start to pull up more water up from the wells, then the you know water levels drop especially if rainfall, we're not getting a lot of rain, you know, and a lot of times when we're not getting a lot of rain and we're in a drought, that's when we tend to use more water Mm -hmm. because our landscapes or our crops are thirsty. So as that water drops beneath us, we, um, the springs drop. So we'll start to see springs have less flow, which then can cause, it has this um, relationship where we'll start to see more of that algae because you don't have that water pushing the algae away, oxygen levels change, which can mm-hmm. change your snails. You know, we talk about everything being all connected mm-hmm. and we definitely see that in our springs. We'll also see the river water start to back up into our springs because we don't have enough groundwater pushing that darker river right. water. over. Mm-hmm. So like Rum Island is a great place where people um, can see that happening. It's, we call it browned out. It's browned yeah. out more often because the river water, the spring water can't push it away. So those are some of the effects that we see. And we can also go into, you know, start talking about, you know, what are some of those sources? How are we using that water? Right. And, um, you know, in, in extension, one of the big things that we talk about with water quality, or sorry, water um, quantity has to do with, you know, irrigation and how we're using that water. And what is that number that we kind of attribute to like overall water use at the home? What's that like percentage that we look at for irrigation or water use? Yeah. So especially in areas like Alachua where it's not 
agricultural dominated, um, you know, our water use, it's called public supply. It's the water that we're purchasing. And when we look at, you know, how are we using that water, we typically say about 50 to 60% of the residential water budget goes out into the landscape. Mm-hmm. Um, we've done some calculations here um, in Gainesville. We haven't updated in a while that it really calculates to about 6 million gallons of water a day wow. goes onto our landscape. So that really, mm-hmm. you know, can add up. And, you know, that's a place where I think our citizens can really make a difference yeah, in their landscapes. Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, when we're talking about when are plants growing the most, it's going to be during that warm time of the year. And that's coincidentally our rainy season. So there's a lot of times that we can actually just completely turn off any of our irrigation system and we, our plants will thrive off of the water that's provided just naturally. But I mean, we see on a regular basis where people might be irrigating, um, during those periods when it might be raining or hopefully not when it's raining, but, um, you still see it, but also just like the, the plants already have adequate amount of water. There should be no reason to water them. So that has a huge impact on that water quantity. Um, where else are we seeing water quantity issues outside of just that residential, like in, here in Alachua County? Are we seeing anything really through the well use, like uh, with agriculture or anything like that? Yeah, so the um, the USGS compiles water use data every five years and does a report, and it's fascinating to <laughs> read, and you can find it online if you're into that. Um, and, you know, here in Alachua, you know, most of our use is public supply, but agriculture is our second biggest use. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's not that far behind. You know, we've got a lot of blueberries and, you know, right. watermelons and things mm-hmm. here in the area. Um, so agriculture definitely is a use. Um, and that data isn't metered. You know, we know right, what right. we use in our homes because mm-hmm. we get those bills. We don't want to get billed for something we didn't use. Um, statewide, we're starting to do a better job at metering data so that we can have better estimates, you mm-hmm. know, because if you're balanced checkbook, you need to know how much is coming out. Um, so we are starting to see better data with agriculture. Private wells is the third largest use mm-hmm. here. We call that domestic self-supply if you are looking at any of those reports. And the wells are tricky because people don't know how much they use. So we just right. estimate mm-hmm. how much you can get a meter. They're they're not that expensive if you're if you're curious and you right. want to see, mm-hmm. you know, how much that you that you do use yeah. from your private well. Yeah, because I, I, I assume that if you were installing a well for private use, um, there there is no reason for you to have a well because it's not, you're not purchasing it from anybody. Um, it's still regulated nonetheless, but if we don't have a true understanding of that usage, it's really hard to have a good grasp on its true impacts in certain cases. Yeah, and I would love to, to loop back to that, that um, that is a common misconception that if you have a well, you can irrigate right. your yard whenever you want to. But actually, irrigation restrictions do apply to wells, or if you're pulling water from one of our lakes, mm-hmm. you do need to follow those designated days. And you know, our staff does enforce that. You yeah. know, we are in areas that have higher water use, and um, you should see us in our new fancy vehicles. We've got this <laughs> nice vehicle wrap that reminds everybody yeah. where they're getting that water from. So, um, we do want people to, 
at a maximum follow those irrigation restrictions. Like you said, even though you're allowed to irrigate once a week in the winter, right. you might not need to as our plants. To. Yeah. 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 Cause like, even if we're and and I think it's important to note that, and you can help get some clarification on it. Cause that, what you just mentioned, at least the, um, not necessarily the once or twice a week, depending on the type of year, but you were referencing specifically Alachua County's irrigation uh, ordinance, but there are still irrigation restrictions that are set up with the individual water management districts. Is that correct? Yeah, so it's statewide now all the time we Mm -hmm. have irrigation restrictions. So when I started in this field, there was only irrigation restrictions sometimes based on, Mm -hmm. you know, where was the water in the aquifer. But now with as many people as we have here and as many landscapes, there's always irrigation restrictions. It just kind of depends mm-hmm. what time of year we're in. And they are set by the state water management districts, but then some local governments can enforce them. And some local governments have even stricter restrictions stricter. Mm-hmm. Um, from the water management district. So it it can get tricky, but if you are here in Alachua County, you can go to alachuacountywater.org yeah. and we've got that information. Clearly and ours spelled the, out. <laughs> yeah. And ours are the same as the water management district. So it's pretty simple here now. Mm-hmm. It's the same for, because I, I think that comes back to an interesting point because you're talking about how water doesn't have political boundaries. Alachua County is split between St. John's River Water Management District as well as the uh, Suwannee River Management District. So, it, but our, our county specific policy, that's based around the St. John's River Water Management District. Is that correct? It, it- it used to be, I mean, but now Suwanee has the same restrictions oh, they do? Oh, okay. Wonderful. as St. John's, but they used to not. So some of your listeners might remember that if they lived in Suwanee, they used to get to choose their days. It wasn't designated. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. But then Suwanee changed their rules, trying to be more consistent. Um, okay. A few years back during one water shortage, we were in a drought and we had to enforce these irrigation restrictions and it was crazy. Different municipalities had different restrictions, so we're grateful that now it's more consistent. Uniform. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I could definitely <laughs> see how that could be, can be difficult. Um, so, you know, water quantity is incredibly important. I mean, we see issues, and we can easily monitor issues that have to do with fluctuating amounts of water within the aquifer or in our surficial water bodies, and we know that just stream flow, whether it be in excess associated with like stormwater runoff can lead to uh, habitat impacts, um, but as well as if like lack of flow as well can have impacts on our, so it's, it's a balance. You have to have, the, it's like the Goldilocks effect, the, like the just <laughs> right amount of water flow. And if, you know, through urbanization, you know, we have increased stormwater runoff. We can see more flooding events within those riparian areas. Um, but if we're not having enough water enter that system, it obviously has its impacts as well. But, you know, when I think about that changing land use, and if we're seeing uh, more superficial runoff from other sources, I start to think about some of the water quality uh, impacts associated with land use and what, and just general Florida's water quality issues. Um, because, you know, we're all familiar with the algal blooms. Um, but I think it's important to, to always point out, like, what are some of those sources that lead to the, those blooms? Um, 
what can we do better? But I also really think it's important, and I want to talk more about the water quality issues that we're seeing in Latchford County, but I also think it's important to mention that sometimes people like to point fingers at one another on who's responsible and who's not responsible. How I look at it is, as we're all Floridians, we're all responsible. Every decision that we make has an impact on water quality and quantity. So that's an important designation I like to make. But I do, you know, some people do way better following best management practices. Some do not. But I do want us to talk about what are those water quality impacts that we're having to deal with regularly here, um, you know, from statewide, but also what are some of the things that are happening in Alachua County that, you know, we're always trying to monitor and keep a close eye on. Yeah, and I totally agree. There's so many sources that I think we are all part of the problem, which means we can all be part of the solution. Absolutely. And, you know, I like that. Yeah. Focus. Yeah. So focus on what everyone can do, what each sector. So, you know, the main, you know, water quality issues sources, um, you know, is waste. So that can be from our septic systems mm -hmm. or water treatment plants, even though they clean up water, they still have excess nutrients depending on, right. you know, the level of treatment at the different plants. I mean, that's one source. We also have fertilizers, which can come from people's yards or from agriculture. And then, um, you know, we also have, um, you know, stormwater, like you said, can be from a combination of sources. So it could have right. fertilizer, it could have pet waste, it yeah. can... You know, it's a nice cocktail of potential pollutants. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that brings up a good designation. A good thing to point out is there are, like, we we like to categorize things. So we have two primary, like, pollutant source that we kind of, how we classify things. We have point source pollutants and non-point source pollutants. Can you kind of separate those and kind of simply say, like, what is what and how we classify those? Yeah, so a point source pollution is basically it's coming from a pipe. So think of a wastewater treatment plant. Um, you know, it cleans up the wastewater, but then it's got that water it needs to discharge somewhere. So it'll come out of a pipe and, you know, might go to like Sweetwater Branch Creek here mm -hmm. in Gainesville. So that's a point source. And it's one entity you're dealing with if right. you need to clean up that water. Whereas non-point source is all of us. It's just that it's a little bit of pollution from a lot of different places that then gets washed into um, our water bodies. And it's much harder to address because it's so diffuse. It's from so many different places. Yeah. And that's our stormwater yeah. pollution for the main part. And I think when we uh, think about, you know, how we're monitoring water quality, um, it's, it's much, much easier for us to monitor point source pollutants because we know the exact source. And, I mean, from through the Clean Water Act, the National Pollution Discharge Elimination, I can't remember what the S means. Um, but, anyways, so uh, from a national perspective, that's all set up. It's easy for us to monitor those water quality, the outflows coming from those. So we can go and say, oh, this is what your outflow is. This is what you need to do to improve your water quality. Um, but with that non-point source pollutants, when it's just kind of coming from everywhere, it's really hard to say what what's coming from where, how much, and the, the exact sources. So that's why I really like this think about that we're all part of the problem, but then I also like that we're also part of the solution. Um, 
So when we think about, you know, that non-point source pollution that's kind of coming off of our, you know, that's impacting, that's impacting our water, what are some of those big non-point source pollutants that we need to concern ourselves with or that we see on a regular basis? Yeah, and we have a monitoring program. We need to get you out on the field, Taylor. You need to go out with our staff and collect some water quality samples. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, we'll schedule it. Yeah. <laughs> so we're trying to track down, you know, some of those pollutants and figure out where where is it coming from mm-hmm. and then can we eliminate it? And especially in urban areas, bacteria tends to be one of the issues. So it's your um like fecal um, coliform and stuff. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's fecal pollution. Yeah, so it's, so those sources, yeah, are pet waste. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be, um, it can be bathrooms or remodels that have been. We call it like the um, illicit. Um, it's an illicit discharge, but it's a um, illegal connection where sometimes someone goes in and like remodels their house and they think they're connecting the new bathroom into the wastewater treatment system and sending it to get treated, but it's going into the stormwater collection system and we later find it. Um, so it can, it can also be wastewater releases. So um, unfortunately. So we, sorry. So we have situations where people tie in what's supposed to be wastewater accidentally into storm drains. Yes. So we find that oh. sometimes with our monitoring and GRU sometimes finds it with their smoke tests. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, that's disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I didn't know that. But that's why, but that's why it's important yeah. to be out collecting samples because we can mm-hmm. find things like that. Um, another source, you know, is our wastewater collection system. You know, our, our sewage fall is in pipes, but follows a lot of our creeks. Mm-hmm. So if there's an overflow, it can be impacting the water. And a big issue right now is these, flushable wipes that people are marketed as flushable just because it can go down the toilet doesn't mean it should yeah that that just the horror stories that you hear about flushable wipes and yeah because you know when we think about which way is water flowing you know when we're talking about not necessarily um our streams and creeks but our storm water our wastewater they're all gravity fed so sometimes you have different, you do have different pumps in case you need to have some weird elevation changes. But nonetheless, you're typically seeing in some situations like water, uh, wastewater pipes, stormwater pipes, they're following those low riparian areas because that's the lowest point. So if there's any type of breakage, that can be a contaminant source. So um, yeah, and it can be really tricky because sometimes, you know, a leak might be happening like slowly over time. And that's why it's tricky. We want people to enjoy our creeks here, but we have to be careful because there can be pollution that you, you can't always see pollution. Right. Just because the water is clear doesn't mean it's clean. Yeah. Um, Right. So what, so we do have a lot of issues that we have to deal with, with like fecal coliform or bacteria issues associated with just human waste, pet waste, um, and I mean, majority of it is unintentional. Of course, you can pick up after your dog, um, <laughs> but a lot of that is unintentional because it could be something that just a homeowner doesn't know if their system was hooked up wrong, or right. if there's a failure in a line somewhere. That's it's not going to be monitored like some of our water. You, you have a pipe leaking, your 
your water bill is going to be really high that next month and you learn about it. So, um, so that's fecal or uh, fecal coliform or bacterial issues that we see within the water. What are some of the other non-point source pollutants that we see on a regular basis? Right. So we definitely have nutrients, which is mostly nitrogen and phosphorus. Mm-hmm. Um, and as far as, you know, non-point source pollution, I mean, that tends to be coming from people's yards. And mm-hmm. that's something we've really been working on is just trying to shift our landscaping paradigm a little bit. Um, you know, can you have a yard that still looks good, has a place that the kids can play, um, holds the soil in place because we don't want erosion. Right. Mm-hmm. But does it have to be bright green monoculture year round? Right. So mm-hmm. trying to get people to have managed their landscapes a little less intensively. You know, we do have our fertilizer ordinance that regulates when fertilizers can be used. And then mm-hmm. we have an education campaign to try to encourage people to follow that and to, you know, try some new things out in their yards and see if they can still look good. Right. Well, you know, not having an impact. And I know that's something you work on also. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I always think about, you know, going back to how are we changing what landscapes are? Because so much of when we're talking about like maybe fertilizer use, especially within residential areas, because that's a, one of our, one of our non-point source pollutant sources here in Alachua County. Um, and pretty, I mean, statewide. Um, and, so we always promote what those best management practices are that are the science-based BMPs. But we're always, one of the big things that we're always having to fight with is that social, that social norm of what a landscape should look like. And that can be an uphill battle because that's where the, I have to have a turf grass that looks green year round where, I mean, here in Alachua County, they go dormant. So it's pretty much impossible, but still there's that, that, that expectation still exists to a certain extent. Um, so that's one of our big, big issues is that when there is stormwater runoff or there's poor management practices, which is can be, which is common, um, that has an impact on our water quality because when we're talking about fertilizers, our, our pollutants are nitrogen and phosphorus. So um, can you talk actually a little bit about our current Alachua County's fertilizer ordinance, especially with regards to like the phosphorus restrictions? Yeah. So we just updated our fertilizer ordinance and this applies, you know, countywide, not to agriculture. So this is really like your landscapes Um, and fertilizer can't have phosphorus in it. Um, unless you do a soil test or tissue test to um, demonstrate that really there's a need for phosphorus. Because a lot of our landscapes, you know, we're pretty rich in phosphorus. That's why we have phosphate yeah. mines here. Mm-hmm. So um, so no phosphorus unless you can demonstrate a need. And then um, as far as nitrogen, so we have a, a ban that you can really only use those fertilizers in um, March, April, May in June. So that really robust growing season that we're hoping those roots are really pulling all that Mm -hmm. um, nitrogen up so that it's not polluting our water. Right. And, you know, and you mentioning that understanding a deficiency 
That's really, really important. And you can get soil tests done. UF offers soil tests. There's some other private labs that offer soil tests. And, you know, and we do that because nitrogen and phosphorus, they are our, they are some of our biggest pollutants. Um, and there is no need to apply phosphorus unless there's any need to. But also applying any nitrogen, you know, you have to have good timing. When do the plants need it? But also... You, you can't just throw as much down as you want because the plants can only uptake a certain amount. So anytime that you're doing bad time or at bad timing or in excess, that's going to lead to, I mean, the plants are going to uptake it. So we're having pollutants essentially come from two separate directions in the urban area. So we have runoff as well as pollutant like infiltration. Can you talk a little bit about those and how we might be seeing those quality impacts? Yeah, so Alachua County is really unique. We have all these surface waters in the eastern part where we've got a clay mm -hmm. confining layer that kind of keeps water up close to the surface. Yeah. So that's where we have a lot of our wetlands like Payne's Prairie and Hatchet Creek, that whole system. On the um, western part of the county, we say that the aquifer is unconfined. So mm -hmm. that means for the most part, it's basically like sandy that if you are over-irrigating, over-fertilizing – it's less likely to run off. It's more likely to just percolate down into the groundwater and then it shows up in one of our springs. So yeah, we've got a double whammy. We gotta worry about yeah. what's washing stormwater and then also what's pushing down. Cause there's this common um, misconception. People think it's a good idea to fertilize before a rain because they wanna, they wanna water it water in and they wanna in. save water, which right. is a good thing. But unfortunately, with our rain, you know, we tend to get these big old <laughs> storms and it, yeah. it can push that fertilizer down. So you don't want to fertilize mm -hmm. before a rain because you might contaminate our groundwater. Right. Because that that notion where people are talking about fertilizing before it rains, you know, if you fertilize, you know, it, it's important to apply just a smidgy, smidgy amount of water. And that's to knock it off of the plant blades. But with a Florida rain, you're going to get in excess of that. So it's going to lead to a quick pollutant discharge, or it's going to have a very high uh, probability that there's going to be pollutants associated with it. Because when it rains in Florida, it rains. <laughs> um, so. Yeah, it's tricky. And I do want to um, loop back to the public perception you were talking yeah. about with our yards. Um, we do surveys to try to see how we're doing with mm -hmm. our education programs and our regulatory programs. And we've recently found that 55% of Alachua County residents don't fertilize at all, which is interesting because when we've asked questions about how often do you think your neighbors fertilize, people think people fertilize more. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we might be finding that people are having landscapes that still look good without that I mean and it really I mean it depends on so much right. you know like how old is your landscape how established is it do you right. have organic matter mm -hmm. um you know like my yard I've never fertilized and it's very green I've got you know I've got mixed species so mm -hmm. I've got stuff that some people might call a weed but I actually like it because I yeah. see the pollinators out there but I also don't live in an area with an HOA that has that's going to be yeah upset with my mixed species yard so it can get tricky but we do have a, a lot of people that are thinking about these issues and trying out new things in their landscapes right absolutely and I, I always like to differentiate that because I know when we ever when people when we talk about 
water quality issues, you know, turf, turf grass commonly comes up as part of that discussion. Um, you know, and I always like to def- differentiate, like, what's a lawn and turf grass? So turf grass is a specific plant material that you can use in your lawn, and your lawn is just that space that you plant that's supposed to be for activity, um, and it's low-growing plant material. So we are doing some really cool research on the mixed species varieties of different uh plant material and we actually had a previous podcast where we talked about that research is really really neat um but yeah you're right is that norm that perception you know because so much of our landscape decisions are based off of like you know that the core that idea of keeping up with the joneses oh they're doing it this way i must do it this way too you know but then you know and i think that data highlights it is if only 50 percent are actively fertilizing on a regular basis then but the perception is that more people are fertilizing. That goes to show that there is that idea that there is much more inputs or more work is going into the landscapes than uh, the data actually shows us. Yeah, <laughs> to a certain extent. We've we've played around with the idea. We actually market tested a campaign that was based on the mullet. That was have your front yard, yeah. you know, be highly manicured and let your backyard be wild and crazy. And business it in was the front, really... the party in the back. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> it didn't, it didn't translate well in our graphics, mm-hmm. and it, it didn't market test well. But you know, maybe we'll figure out how to market test that. Fair enough. That's idea. that. I because like that is... idea. Oh, right. But... People aren't seeing your backyard. Right, and I, I think that brings us into like a cool segue. So. You know, Florida's water is, you know, we have our impacts with quality. We have our impacts with quantity. And the, the quantity issues are coming from everywhere. And here in Alachua County, as an urbanizing county, we're seeing a lot of it within residential um, and that associated land use change and how we're managing it. So, therefore, you know, we have all these different ways from extension as well as with uh, Alachua County um, with those strategies that we're using to help reduce the, that nutrient impacts, because one of our big things that we concern ourselves with is looking at today's total population. We know what that water consumption is. And if we're expected to see that population double of Florida over the next 50 years, we have that assumption that water consumption is going to double And those water quantity issues are going to get exponentially worse. So we're thinking of what can we do now because we're changing. We're an urbanizing state. What can we, what are we doing or what can we do to make sure that we are, I mean, we moved to Florida for a reason. You know, a lot of us moved to Florida for a reason. You know, you think about the environment, people think of the beach, the springs, water. And water is a huge component of just our state's economy you know, fishing, uh, outdoor recreation. So it's important that we protect that for just the livelihood and sustainability of the state from an economic purpose. So what are some of the things that we're doing um, in Alachua County, specifically with your department, Stacy? with how can we make sure that we're reducing water, uh, water issues, whether it be quantity or quality yeah. related? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's, you're right. It's this big challenge. And we haven't even mentioned climate change, which mm-hmm. then, you know, will change the distribution of where people are living. So we might even see more people oh, in inland. areas mm-hmm. that were, yeah, 
historically rural. So, you know, land use planning, I mean, that's really what it comes down to. I mean, so something that we've done, we have an irrigation design code that starting in 2016, any new irrigation system for landscapes has to go through a, like an approval process and really has to meet the best management practices to try to make sure that any new irrigation systems are as efficient as possible and we're shrinking the footprint of it. You know, we mm -hmm. don't want the whole yard to be irrigated. And can you use your micro irrigation on your shrubs and right. things like mm -hmm. that? Um, and we are right now looking at um, potentially requiring soil amendments for new constructions because we know mm -hmm. sometimes new landscapes, because of the way we do construction now, they're, they're kind of on life support. They need irrigation and fertilizer to do well because the soil is pretty, it's like sand. It's like right. that putting some salt that on fill sand where it's just sterile sand pretty much. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. So we're looking at um, potentially requiring some soil amendments so that we give those landscapes a jump start and then they won't have as much of a impact. Um, so in 2021, um, we'll most likely, you know, propose that, that um, septic systems are something that um, other areas have a more of a problem with because they've got more septic right. systems on mm -hmm. these small lots. We definitely have septics in this area, not as many. Mm -hmm. And we're also looking at, um, you know, there's newer, newer um, technology for reducing the nutrients from those systems. So just kind of in the drain fields, can you add some organic matter and make the nitrogen cycle mm -hmm. happen? And, aren't, and aren't, isn't the county testing one of those newer systems out at Poe Springs? Is that where that's at? Yes. So we did the, um, the lodge at Poe Springs and the concession stand. Those mm -hmm. were both on septic systems and we retrofitted those and they are ready. So once Poe Springs opens back up, I hope people go and, use that restroom because we have monitoring equipment <laughs> there and we're going to be looking at that water quality and seeing mm -hmm. what are those improvements there. So um, there's thoughts of, do we start to require new systems to have that technology? We're looking into the costs and the data, mm -hmm. you know, because we always have to weigh all of these, right. all of these things. And we're seeing improvements with our, wastewater treatment. Um, oh, absolutely. you know, there's, mm -hmm. there's more infiltrating wetlands to kind of have that yes. polishing step with our wastewater. To everyone bring loves Sweetwater Wetlands Park. I mean, that's a, I mean, yeah. that, that's a wonderful place and the impacts it has on water quality is just tremendous compared to obviously prior to Sweetwater Wetlands Park. Yeah. And it's always great when you can be removing pollution, and then also creating a recreation site and a great educational experience. So, mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I want to ask, so, you know, you're, you're doing a lot of outreach with uh, the irrigation, doing different requirements. You're looking at some of uh, code changes, because I know Latchford County is looking at the Unified Land Development Code updates, as well as you have um, some of these different ordinances and policies. What other outreach programs are you all doing to help with water quality and quantity for homeowners? So say one of our county residents is listening in, what are some good ways or what are those resources that you all can provide to those uh, homeowners? Yeah. So right now we have our turf swap landscaping rebate program, which I believe there's a podcast yeah. on um, where people can 
um, get a 50% rebate up to $1,500 to make some of those changes and, and start to convert to a Florida friendly mm-hmm. landscape. So, you know, that's a, that's a great one. Our website, we've got um, myyardourwater.org. Mm-hmm. Also, I mean, that's got all the regulations so people can see it and it's got tips also. So for example, you know, with irrigation, you know, asking people to just cause you can irrigate doesn't mean you need to, you know, right. Mm-hmm. Turn it off and then just use it as needed. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are doing a lot of education right now to just help people to understand their connection to our water. We found in our survey that, um, I think it was greater than 50% didn't understand that our drinking water comes from the aquifer, from the groundwater. Oh, wow. So <laughs> yeah, a lot of the, a lot of the kids know it because we're teaching that right. stuff in the schools yeah. now, mm-hmm. but you know, some of us that, you know, didn't get to do fun environmental programs, you right. know, in school, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people don't know, they know they turn the sink on and there's yeah. their good drinking water. Um, I always like but, to ask so we're doing, people like, where do you live? Because I think that's important because when you think about that, they think of those geopolitical boundaries. I live in Gainesville or like I live in High Springs. I live in Alachua County or Florida. But when we're talking about water connection, I think that's really important because I want you to talk a little bit about it because maybe you've seen those benefits of, you know, if we start thinking about where we live from an environmental perspective, like I live within the, um, I live within the, the Santa Fe River watershed. So like I know that my behaviors impact the Santa Fe River really easily and then everything downstream from that. So the Suwannee River, et cetera. But we learned that there are some impacts. Just understanding that connection with water is tremendous. Are you seeing that in any of that uh, those that data that you've collected? Yeah, I mean, we are seeing a little bit more awareness, especially mm-hmm. with like stormwater, people understanding that that goes to a natural water yeah. body. We've been running our no filter campaign. <laughs> I think about it, you know, up by the Satchel's Pizza area, like the whole northeast of Gainesville, mm-hmm. there are some old, um, you know, ditches from when this area was right. developed. I like to call them an ephemeral stream, but <laughs> most people call them a ditch. And all of that eventually goes to Noonan's Lake. Yeah. And, you know, that's something we've been trying to develop a program that we could do with Howard Bishop and Metcalf and the schools on this side of town to really bring that message home. Cause you know, I notice a lot of trash getting thrown right. and that's a really good way because it's so visual you can mm-hmm. see trash right so that's yeah. a to start educating people about you know you wouldn't throw this you know snack wrapper in noonan's lake mm-hmm. but if you're throwing it in the storm drain or right in the road you basically are you're doing the same exact thing yeah it just takes a little noonan's bit to lake. physically get there but yeah um so mm-hmm. i I want so the the out those outreach campaign campaigns are very very important because if we're starting to think about how do we make these adjustments going in the future, thinking about Florida's and Alachua County's water quality, it's important that we start having these conversations with the public, so we can create these changes because a lot of times it might be just a knowledge you change someone's knowledge they immediately make that behavior change, but we know that a knowledge gain does not equate to behavior change, but there's more factors that are associated with that. Like, um, 
those social norms. So how are we shifting those social norms to have a deeper understanding of what our impacts are and how those landscapes can become to help improve and protect water quality, Florida's uh, sustainable future. Um, so I think going forward, you know, I think it's important us to, you know, that I would like to ask you is going forward, what would be that big overarching statement that you could give to anybody listening about Florida's water resources and how we move forward into the future with regards to the water? Yeah, I mean, it's all connected. You know, that what we all do in our landscapes, in our homes, in our businesses, you know, affects the whole system. So really trying to get people to see that connection and, you know, I think we can get caught up in that pointing of fingers. So helping like that we're all in this together. So really those small changes I can make in my yard are just as important as, you know, the, the changes that can happen on that farm or that water bottle plant, whatever it is mm -hmm. that, you know, we're focused on that we have a responsibility, you know, we have a part in it. Right. It's not a, it's an, it's not an I question. It's a we statement, yeah. especially. So, um, yeah. So Stacy, I want to thank you for coming in and taking the time and meet with us to talk on um, just Florida's water quality issues and what we're doing in Alachua County and ways that we can move forward. Cause I think what you presented today is going to be incredibly informative to all of our listeners, especially the ones here in Alachua County. But I think it's important to note that if anybody has any questions, they can reach out to Alachua County's Extension Office um, regarding any of our programs like the Florida Family Landscaping Program, or we can connect you with uh, Stacy and her office and how to get you connected with all the resources that the county provides uh, through the Environmental Protection Department here. So Stacy, thank you very much. We really appreciate it. I appreciate it. Taylor, you are such a great Extension Agent for this community. We are so lucky to have you and I'm just so glad that we get to work together so much. So thanks for helping to get the word out. Um, yeah, we're happy to help with anything. We've got great staff that love to answer questions also. So thank you and we hope to come back. Oh, absolutely. We'll have, we'll have more <laughs> conversations. That's for sure. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much. Thank you.